So we will be preaching, I will be preaching out of 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. It's right up there, so if you ever lose it, you can always check up there. Um, so that is what we will be going through. Now, I want to introduce myself. My name is Ty Smith. Let me actually take this mask off so you can hear me a little bit better. My name is Ty Smith, and I attended CF for about a year. Um, here at CF, I got to serve by making Friday videos for you guys. I also got to serve by doing a Zoom prayer meeting with you guys. I got to know some of you pretty well through that, and it was such a wonderful opportunity. Um, so I'm a Moody student. I've, I love coming here, and I love this. I actually just recently got married and uh, to my wife over here. Um, And we now live in Kenosha, so sadly I'm not able to attend here because it's a bit of a drive to come here. Um, but I absolutely love CF. So let me get into um, a little bit more of who I am. I want to share my testimony with you guys. So I grew up in a broken family. My mom and my dad separated when I was at a really young age, um, young enough that I don't really remember it. Um, and during that time, my mom provided for me as best as she could. And one of those ways she provided was through taking me to church. I always went every Sunday, you know, went to VBS, did as much as we could. And that is where I learned to accept Christ as my Savior. But I didn't really realize what that meant until I got to junior high. When I was in junior high, I kind of didn't want to go to church anymore. I wanted to push away um, the people that were pouring into me, I wanted to push away going to youth group because that's something I always did. I wanted to become my own person. This is when I started gravitating not to the greatest crowd. I started um, doing just dumb things, and I also started wrestling in this time, and that did not help my ego whatsoever. One day, I come home from wrestling practice. I'm taking a shower. I get out of the shower, and as most junior high boys do, they're checking out their muscles. I'm sitting there going, man, look at me go. Look at me go. Man, I look great. And when I look at my face in the mirror, I do not recognize who is looking back. It's as though I was walking down the street and there was a random person staring back at me. That terrified me, not knowing who is looking back in a mirror when you should be seeing your own face. I knew in that moment something was wrong. I did, there was, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. There's something wrong. A few weeks later, I had the wonderful opportunity of going on a retreat. And this retreat was centered around the gospel and truly knowing who Christ is and the relationship that you can have with him. Knowing that he can take and bear our sins. And he loves us so deeply and is such a deep relationship. Something I didn't realize before. From that moment, everything changed. I realized that I needed to be around people who are going to pour into me, who are going to grow me and stretch me. I started going and serving back at church. I soon after got a girlfriend who I'm now married to. I started growing and learning and pushing myself in ways I didn't realize. And the Lord opened my heart to say, I want you to be doing ministry. And I have the wonderful opportunity. I'm a junior at Moody Bible Institute. I got one more year left, and it's been fantastic. And I have the beautiful opportunity to be able to sit here and talk with you guys today. All that had to happen in order for me to realize that in Christ, you are made new. 
And all of you have a story. All of you have something maybe similar to mine, something very different from mine, but all of you have a story. You know your story. After one significant event, everything changed. And it could be something as beautiful as getting married, having a kid, and it could be something as sad as losing a loved one. After that moment, everything changed. Nothing was the same again. Now in Christ, when that moment hits, when you truly accept him as your savior, everything changes. Now it's, it's a change, and not an instant change sometimes. It can be, but it might be a change over a long period of time. Everything changes. Every part of your life fundamentally changes. And that is what I want to talk about here today, is that in Christ, you are made new. So before we really go in any further, I do want to pray for us. So if you guys would please be praying with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the love you continue to pour out on us. Lord, I pray today that the words I speak would be all honoring to you. Nothing I say today would be for my own glory, but for your alone. Lord, I pray that you would speak. Lord, you would open my heart, open my eyes, open my mind to what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that you would do the same for all who are listening. Lord, be with us today. May your presence be here. Lord, I thank you. I pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So, to further define the idea that in Christ you are made new, I wanted to define what it means to be in Christ. Being in Christ is accepting Christ as your Savior. You have fully committed to who he is. And you closely follow what he and his disciples taught. That is what it means to be in Christ. You're living a life that is fully dedicated to him. Now, let me go deeper into what our passage is about today. So 2 Corinthians is written by Paul to the Corinthian church. It is, the letter is filled with themes of suffering and with being filled with the Spirit. Now, being filled with the Spirit is meaning that you allow the Holy Spirit to occupy every part of your life to fill you and to guide you. So you are walking with him only. And it, this passage seems to be written in more of a testimony in mind. Paul is giving, sharing his testimony all throughout this passage, which is seemingly making this passage, this book of scripture, the most emotional book, some scholars would say, that he has ever written. So we are jumping right into the middle of a passage here. Verses 11 through 15, we need to understand before we can really jump into verses 16 through 21. Verses 11 through 15 are talking about what it means to live in Christ, what it means to who he is. It means uh, you boast only of him and what he has done for you and the love that he has poured out to you by sacrificing himself for you and me. Now that we can understand that who he is and how we should live into that, we can really jump into verses 16 through 21. So if you guys would read with me uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Let us start in verse 16. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So guys, how I go through this is I break it down verse by verse. So if you guys want to hold on with me, we're going to read verse 16 again. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. So if you guys have been reading the Bible for a long time, you know that there are words that stick out. There are certain words that when you see them, you got to, it's important. One of those words is therefore, for those of you who maybe don't know that. Therefore, you got a cheesy slang that I've always learned is, what's the therefore, therefore? I know it's cheesy, I know it sounds silly, but that is really helpful, honestly. The therefore symbolizes now that we understand what has been said before, we can truly talk about and understand what is being said now. Now that we understand that living in Christ means to only boast of him and realize of who he is and what he has done for you and nothing that you do is what satisfies, it's what he has done for you. Now that we understand that, we go into verse 16 where it talks about regarding no one according to the flesh. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean by the flesh? When I think of flesh, I think of this, uh, like, a zombie. I don't know. I'm weird. I think of a zombie, you know, like a zombie movie, anything like that, eating flesh, kind of gross, right? I also have a friend who calls goosebumps goose flesh. I think that's really weird. I don't know about you guys. I think that, no thanks. Don't like that one. So flesh, when commonly thought about, is this skin and bone and sweat and tears and all that fun stuff that we get to have. So that's not quite what the Bible is talking about here, though. What does it mean biblically for the flesh? And for me, I found the best definition of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. You guys don't have to jump there because I'm just going to read a small snippet of it, but I would encourage you guys to write it down if you are taking notes. Again, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Here it describes and it calls out what the flesh is and what it strives after. It says, um, here's just a quote from it. It says it, it strives after enmity, strife, jealousy, has fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. And that's only a snippet of what the flesh strives after. Now, even on a worldly scale, outside of the church, those are seen as bad. Those are not good things. When we jump back into the church, we can see that in Romans 8.8, 8, it says those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So those who are living, even just that snippet that I was mentioning to you from Galatians, do not please God. Those things do not even come close to honoring who God is. Now, I want to make a very clear distinction that the flesh is not the skin and bone that is sinful. It is not the thing. These are not the thing that is bad. This is not the thing that is bad. It is our sinful desires. It is our sinful nature. It is what our heart strives after. 
that is sin. It is not the skin and bone that we have on us. And you might be asking yourself, well, I'm not that bad. I don't do these things. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not part of that list. I would say, take a close look at children. Initially, we have to teach children how to not lie, to steal, to be mean. Inherently, we know how to sin. We know how to strive after the flesh as described. And we have to be taught not to do these things. So why? Why do we have to go through um, figuring out, not accord- looking at anyone according to the flesh? Why do we have to do this? It's because we just don't hit the mark. The flesh just does not hit the mark naturally. Nothing that we can do will come close to hitting the mark with the Father. As Christians, we truly need to look at each other in light of a newness. That we are new in Christ and that Christ is the only way for us to be made new. Christ is the only one. It's not anything we do. It's not anything that our flesh can even come close to doing. It is Christ through us. And for the non-believer, how should we look at them? Should we look at them according to their flesh? No. As Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, you need to look at a non-believer in the image of God. They are created in the image of God. No matter what they have done, said, or have ever been, they are in the image of God, no matter who they are. And they have the potential to become new. And guys, let's go further into verse 16. I love this part of the verse where it says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. You know how I mentioned that 2 Corinthians is more of a testimonial from Paul. Right here is Paul's giving his testimony. He once regarded Christ according to the flesh. He persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. He did all these things against Christians until he realized he had to become new in Christ. That in Christ he can be made new. He was regarding them only according to the flesh. And he says, if I can do this, I know you guys have done this too. When Christ was here on the earth, I only saw him as a person. I did not see him as our Savior. So now that we understand that we can't look at anybody according to this this flesh, this um, sinful desire, we shouldn't. Even if you're a non-believer, even if you're a believer, no one should be looked at like this. Then how should we regard one another? I've mentioned it a little bit, but verse 17 talks more into it. So if you guys would read with me, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Guys, we've got another therefore. Now that we understand, we can't look at each other, anybody, anybody, according to our sinful ways, our flesh, now we can understand how we should look at one another. If anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. Now what does that mean? What does that mean to be a new creation? So when I think of something new, I think of like a brand new car rolling off the lot or like a new iPhone or something in that realm, something brand new. You're taking like the nice plastic off of it. That's such a great feeling. But the Bible is not quite describing it like that. And, and I think the best way, like, 
to kind of think about it is also a restoration project, to be made new. You know, you could think of an old car being made new into what it once was. Maybe a piece of furniture, I don't know if some of you are handy like that, building a piece of furniture back to the way it was. I love watching old car videos where they, they build them up and it's a brand new car. I stay up way too late watching stuff like that. I'm weird. But that still isn't quite it. So when the Bible is talking about being made new, think of, let's use the analogy of an old, rusty, beaten up car. You've all seen it. It's been, you know, you can see one down the road, okay? Old, rusty car. But instead of it being made new into what it once was, it's now seemingly transformed into a bulldozer. It has a lot of the same functions. It could drive, it could push things, it could pull things, depending on what kind of car it is. And even some of them have air conditioning. They all have the same basic function, but a bulldozer has a significantly different purpose than what a car does. And if, let's translate that back into our Christian lives. When we are made new in Christ, instead of becoming, well, like we once were, we still have a lot of who we are. We still have our personality. We still have our quirks. We still have all the things that make us us. But instead, we are given a new purpose. We are given a new charge. We are made new. Why? Again, we just don't hit the mark. We can see again through Romans 8.8 8, that nothing of what once was of the flesh, which does not please God, can be here. We have, there has to be a fundamental change, a change that strives after who God is. The flesh has no control over you. Who you once were, who you once were, that you strove after all this sinfulness, these things that don't even help you, that make, bring you down. Those things do not control you anymore. You are made new. You are a new and beautiful creation. And I love how this verse ends. It says, behold, the new is here. For me, this reminds me of royalty. It reminds me of, I don't even know, way old ages. When someone would walk in, someone of royalty would walk into a room and they would say, behold, such and such is here. That is what I imagine when I hear the end of verse 17. Behold, the new has come. The old is not hindering you anymore. You are a new creation in Christ. How beautiful is that? Now that we understand, we cannot look at anybody according to this flesh, this, this grossness, the sinful desires of ours that do not honor God, and we need to look at one another according to this newness, especially Christians looking at one another as new creations and looking at yourself as a new creation. We need to ask ourselves, where does this come from? How, how does this even happen? Why? 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 And verses 18 and 19 help us understand that. Let us read verse 18 and 19. Verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and trusting to us the message of reconciliation. We can see here clearly that this is a gift from God. Nothing that we do can ever come close to reconciling us with God. 
This is all from God through Christ. Now, before we really get diving into this, I want to define the word reconcile. And as, as one does, I looked it up on Google. I don't have an actual paperback dictionary, I realize. So. But Google is always good. Google uses the definition of restoration in a friendly relation. Now, I think this is good, but it really, really does need to be tweaked in order for us to understand this passage. I like that they use relational aspects and a restoration. Now, my definition of reconciliation is bringing everyone into a right union. Now, I'm going to say that again. My definition of reconciliation is bringing everyone into a right union. Now, my definition for the ministry of reconciliation is the restoration of everyone into a right union with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. This is all relational. There's nothing that we do. And it's a free gift, open for everybody. For Paul, his reconciliation came in the form of being blinded. We can see this through Acts chapter 9. So if you guys want to read Paul's testimony, Acts chapter 9 does share it. But I'll break it down easy for you guys. Paul was once called by a different name. That's how crazy his restoration was. His name used to be Saul. As I said, he persecuted Christians. He did not like Christians. What they stood for, everything. Till one day, Christ came and spoke to him. He confronted him about this. And Christ tried to speak to him. And, and he even opened up his mind to say, hey, here's, here's the truth. Here is the understanding. Paul still would not listen. His heart was so hardened against him. So the Lord said, you're blind, so you will be blinded for three days. He went through those three days, stumbling around. I couldn't even imagine how terrifying that would be especially in that time period. Blinded for three days until Ananias came and prayed over him to regain his sight. Now, Paul needed such an aggressive reconciliation of how, because of how hard his heart is. For me, it took not recognizing who I was in the mirror, freaking me out. And I know for all of you, you if you are truly in Christ, you have had a moment similar. Maybe not as crazy as Paul's, but you've had a similar moment. Lord spoke to you in just the right way. And I don't want to scare any of the unbelievers in the room because it might not be that aggressive. It might be just way simpler than it is. So why are we made new again? So we can live in a more perfect union with the Father. And this was a price paid by Christ. Again, nothing we did, nothing we can do can come close but is a price paid by Jesus. His life, death, burial, and resurrection paid for us. When he died, with him came our flesh, our sinful desires. When he came out of the ground, when he came out of that tomb, it stayed right there and came with him it was our righteousness. He washed us clean of that. This is all to help us understand that in Christ, you are made new. 
we have to be living in a right union to truly understand our Father. And this brings us to verse 20. If you guys would read verse 20 with me. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Guys, that's, that's another therefore. Now that we understand that we can't look at each other according to our sinfulness, our flesh, and we have to look at other, each other according to our newness and to us all holding the image of God, and that all of this is a free gift from God, we need to understand now what do we do with it. It's a free gift. What do we do with this gift? And verse 20 easily tells us that. It tells us we are now ambassadors for Christ. Now, I think of when an ambassador is brought up as like a, a political like delegate from a different country and they're representing their country or even like a company. They're an ambassador for what is being spoken about. They're representing someone or something. Now, I was a student ambassador at Moody. I got to serve new students when they come on campus, show them around campus, help them become comfortable and acquainted with everything, help parents get comfortable and acquainted with the city, with the campus, with everything. And this was a fun thing that I loved to do. Now, it is similar, but also significantly different to being an ambassador in Christ. If you consider yourself a Christ follower today, you are now an ambassador. And God is making his appeal through you. You are a mouthpiece in a way. Now that you are made new, you are an ambassador to everyone around you. So what do you do with this? It means you go out to your family. It goes out to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, everybody. You speak and proclaim the gospel in all situations. As an ambassador, you're always representing Christ in your actions, in your thoughts, and whatever you say to someone. You are always a representative for Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ. And guys, what a wonderful opportunity you have here to be an ambassador in the city of Chicago. There's so much ministry to be had here, let alone in Roscoe Village. There's so much to be done. Even at the beginning here when we were giving announcements, there were so many things that you guys can do. If you call yourself a Christian... These are the things to do. If you look, you will find what the Lord is calling you to do. Being an ambassador is the first job title that actually matters. No other job title will even come close to being an ambassador of Christ. It's the one job that can truly change your life and those around you. Being an ambassador for Christ is your one true job when you become a Christian. And it affects every part of your life. And honestly, verse 20 is just a beautiful reflection of the great commission of Christ, as we see in the Gospels. To go and reach all the nations with the good news of Christ and what he did. To be reconciled with this new reality that in Christ you are made new. Verse 21. It says, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul going further, sharing the gospel, reminding us of the reconciliation that came, that is here for all of us. We choose it. Reminding us of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, who came down in perfection, who knew no sin, meaning he didn't live of this flesh, and to further solidify, it's not the skin and bone. It's our sinful, worldly desires. He was living a perfect life, did miracles, he served people, he loved people. Others did not like this. They arrested him, they beat him, and they historically and literally hung him up on a cross to die. Taking upon him yours and my sin. Reconciling us with the Father so we can become his righteousness. And the thing is that when Christ was buried, he didn't stay buried. Three days later, he rose again. Defeating death, which no king, ruler, or leader has ever done. Defeating death, defeating sin. And saying, if you believe in me, if you choose me, you will be in right union. I will want a relationship with you. All of this, all of his life was there to represent that in him, in Christ, you are made new. And nothing can ever come close to separating you from that reality. No one, no thing can ever separate you from the reality that you, when you choose Christ, are new and you are in him because he died for you. So what now? We got through all the passage. You heard me speak. What now? If you're someone who doesn't know Christ, if you're someone who says you don't believe he is your savior, I encourage you to come and talk to me once we're done here. Come and talk to an elder, talk to a leader of the church here. We will walk you through a prayer through an understanding and get you set up right so you can understand who Christ is in a more intimate, one-on-one level. If you are a believer here today, I want to leave one thing with you. If you didn't listen to any word I said, here's the one thing I want you to get. One thing. That in Christ, you are made new. And nothing can ever come close to separating you from that. So let me challenge you guys today. Let us leave here changed. Let us leave with a better understanding that we are new in Christ. We need to look at one another according to that, not according to our sins, not according to what we have done. And to the non-believer, we need to look at them as image bearers with the potential to be made new. We need to live into the reality of being new. And living it out as ambassadors. And guys, it's easy as proclaiming the gospel in your life. Now, I don't mean to go preach on the street corners. Don't, you don't have to do that. But practically being the hands and feet. Serving here at church. Serving the neighborhood, which guys did about a month ago cleaning it up. 
helping a neighbor. There are plenty of ministries throughout the city you can donate to, you can serve at. Guys, if you need or are looking for one, I am more than willing to talk to you. And it takes intentionality with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers. Living and speaking of the gospel. Everything you do. Let us strive after this today. Let's pray.